All right, so let's bow our heads. Dear kind and ever-loving Father, we are just so grateful for this time together that we can sit at your feet and we can learn. I ask, dear Father, that you will just hide me and your skills as the master communicator, I ask, dear Father, that they will come forward and that we can learn how it is that we can share the good news with those around us. We thank you so much and we ask that you will just bless our time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, but it's only fair that I do want to know a little bit about you too. And the reason for that is I've tailored the message to be, you know, yes, for the Herald and writing in general, but I wanted to know exactly what is it you're hoping to get from this seminar. So as I go along, it will kind of help me in terms of tailoring what I have to hopefully meet your needs. All right, because I don't want for you to sit here for the next hour or so, and then it was time whereby it's like, what did I get out of that? So I'm very mindful of that. And so my name is Debbie Michelle. I am currently at the Lake Union Conference. I also serve as the managing editor of the Lake Union Herald. This is a job that I've been doing now for the last 17 months. <laughs> so a year and then I was trying to add so it's you know I've been in it for a little bit more than a year but I will tell you this much it's a job whereby I'm still going around and I'm learning so much more in terms of what it is that our churches and our conferences are looking for and so prior to coming to the Herald I was at Andrews University for the last seven and a half years before I ended up at the Lake Union Herald. I was there as a journalism professor, so teaching, writing, and um, broadcasting to our students there at Andrews, and was just loving it. Loving it, loving it, loving it. Love the students, just love the whole atmosphere of being able to mentor, and that's what I looked at it as. I mean, we were all at the table together and we were learning, and I was learning a great deal from these students as well. And so that was something that I did for seven and a half years, and then midway through the semester, the union said, can you come and work for us? And so a lot of, you know, it was very difficult, you know, to decide, okay, do I want to leave my students, but also to, do I want to get back into the craft what I had been doing prior to coming to Andrews. And so prior to coming to Andrews, I'll just kind of run through a little bit for you before I ask you to um, tell you a little bit about me, I tell you a little bit about yourselves. Um, so originally from Jamaica, and I have some slides here in terms of how I ended up in journalism to begin with. I grew up in a tumultuous time in Jamaica. It was in the 1970s, and there were um, a lot of long lines to get gasolines. You would go to the store, the supermarket. There, were no bread. there was no bread, there was no food, essentially. And I was just a little girl trying to figure out what is going on, just very curious. And so I would ask my parents what's going on, and so my mom would tell me, well, 
you know, it's because of, you know, this political party that's not making the right choices. And I'd ask my dad and he said, well, it's because of the other political party that's not making the right choices. And I couldn't figure out what's going on. So I wanted to know because they were both at opposite ends of the aisle in spectrum when it came to politics. But in terms of reading the newspaper and finding out about, you know, the World Bank and, um, you know, the International Monetary Fund, all these different things and got my head so wrapped up in economics and also finding out the fact that news and newspapers and how they were able to uh, just help to inform people and just to educate the citizens and to just create a healthy democracy. So that was something for me why I decided, you know what, this is something that I think I'd like to do. So I eventually from there ended up at NBC, at NBC News. And so some of the stories that I covered, and I'm not going to go into you know details. I went to school in New York, I left Jamaica, went to school in New York, did my undergrad there, my graduate degree also there, and then went to NBC and started working with NBC News. At the time, it was with Tom Brokaw, you know, the 6.30 evening news there in New York. And then after a few months, went over to Dateline NBC. Dateline NBC, I must say, it's not the same Dateline NBC that you see now, because people ask me, well, all those murder shows, you know, cat to catch a murder, murder. At the time, we were doing hard news. And so some of the stories that we ended up covering at the time when I worked there, does this look familiar? Oh, yes. Do you remember what the story? Uh-huh. Heaven's Gate cult. Yes. You know, um, World Trade Center while I was there. Hurricane Katrina. That was another one of the stories um, in the corner with the bullets there. That was um, the DC sniper shootings. Um, that, that was back in 2001. Uh, war in Afghanistan. I was based in the NBC building at 30 Rockefeller Plaza. So I was there for 11 years at NBC from, two, from 1995 when I graduated with my master's degree until 2006 when I left NBC. And um, if you're like my students, I know the question that you're probably asking, why? <laughs> In the classroom, I got that question. Death of Princess Diana. Um, those are some of the other stories that we covered. Excuse me. Is it OK if we ask questions? That's perfectly fine. And actually, I do well with Q&A. actually stories you covered? These are actually stories I covered. The death of John F. Kennedy, Jean-Benet Ramsey. So it was during that period that I was there. Um, Okay, so I think once he starts talking, that's the end. And so the question that I would get oftentimes, and I'll just answer it now because it's a question that I would find, you know, I would not answer it and all through the semester I'm trying to impart to the students in terms of writing and writing style and format and all of that. And at the end of the semester, they're like, why did you leave? And I realized, oh my goodness, all semester long they're wondering. So after over the years, I found out that it's something that I need to just kind of state up front in terms of what happened. So just a little bit about my background. I was raised as a Anglican, and I don't know, because in Jamaica, it's the Church of England, and so that was the predominant um, religion. It's actually sort of like the, you know, um, it's like the official religion, but there's no official, but that's what most people are because it's Church of England, Jamaica became independent from um, the British colony many years ago. And so they had a very strong presence there. So that was it. But I just had a, um, how should I put it? A surface knowledge of Christianity 
you're nodding your head. And um, so I was thinking that, you know, I'm good. I got what I need. And so it wasn't until I came to New York, you know, I was going to college and met a Seventh-day Adventist. And so through friendship evangelism, that's how I discovered this beautiful message. And at the time I was at NBC and, you know, I would go to all these devastating, um, you know, things that would be happening to people, knock on their door, fly, you know, across the country or wherever. And my job at NBC when I started was what we called a booking producer. And a booking producer, your job was to get the exclusive interview with the newsmakers. So anything that's happening, so before your competition, before 60 minutes, before 48 hours, before any of the news magazines showed up, because it was very expensive to produce one of these 10 minute, 30 minute stories. Like a 10 minute story is about $30,000. And this is like almost 20 years ago. So just imagine how much it is now. But it was a lot of money. So they wanted to make sure that we had the exclusive so we could have the highest ratings. So that was my job. The front person, as soon as word got out on the wires that this has happened, I had my suitcase at my desk or I'd shoot home, get it. And I was on a plane that same day or the next day, knocking on someone's door. I'm here from New York. I'm so sorry about what has happened to you. Can I come talk with you? So you can just imagine in terms of looking into people's like red eyes, bawling, crying that, you know, a plane has crashed or a building has just came, come tumbling down or this devastating thing that has happened. And either, you know, my child, you, you name it, whatever relative, someone close to them, near and dear to them, I would just have to sit there and tell them I'm so sorry, but I couldn't offer them any hope. So like I said, when I found out that, that there was this God who actually wants to have a relationship with his children and who actually is not responsible for all this devastation that you were going on. Imagine for me in terms that it was like a hallelujah moment. And I thought, I need to go do this. It's like, you know, the woman at the well, that was me. And so midway through my contract at NBC, because we had to sign these four-year contracts, I said to my boss, I just got to get out of the contract. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't have a job. I don't know what, but I just feel like I need to do something else. And so I was fortunate enough because, I mean, and somebody was in the news, I'm trying to think, who was trying to get in, get out of their contracts. Sometimes it works very easily, but not all the time in terms of the um, the networks because they figure that you have all these trade secrets and they don't want for you to take it and go to the competition and before you know it, you know, they have higher ratings, all this stuff that goes on. So I was happy when they said, sure, you can go. And so for the next two or so years, that was me just kind of praying and saying, God, what do you want me to do? And so he led me to Andrews. And so that's where I was for the last. Did they know you had become a Christian? At Andrews? Oh, no, they no, did. At uh, NBC. At NBC? It, it, that's a good question. That's a good question because I stayed there for a year after I got baptized because I was thinking, okay, let me see what God wants me to do. I don't know. So I didn't quit right away. I didn't quit right away. But I tell you, it was m the most uncomfortable year in all the years that I had been there. Because you can imagine if you had friends for a number of years, and so you're used to, you know, speaking a certain way or going a certain place. And all of a sudden, when they come in and they said, so how are you doing? And you're like, praise the Lord. Things are so good. God is good. And they're like, uh, and when they see you, they just want to make a beeline. It's like, 
is that all she wants to talk about? So it became very uncomfortable for me. And then the whole issue with the Sabbath as well, because like I'd mentioned earlier, it's like whenever news broke, news had no respect of what day of the week it was. And so it was one of those things too, but I had made a decision. I had purposed that, you know what, God, as soon as they asked me to work on the Sabbath, that was going to be when I would say, that's it. But it came, it never came to that point. It almost came when, um, Saddam Hussein was captured. It was actually on a Saturday morning early. And I was getting ready for church and I was on duty at that point because they had it as such too, whereby in order to, um, not burn out the staff, they had every, um, like maybe every six weeks, we had what we call crash duty. And so every six weekends, meaning every sixth weekend, you were on duty and so if any news broke, your pager would go off. At that time, it was like, you see how dated this thing is, because now it's like cell phones. Your pager would go off like a doctor. You're like calling in. Yep, I'm calling in. What do I need to do? And they'll say, okay, get to here or come to the office or whatever. And I was getting ready to work, and I was like thinking, I'm on crash duty. I know what's going to happen. It's a big story. I mean, you know, Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein had been captured. And as I was driving to, um, to church, the pager went off. And I'm thinking, oh boy, what do I do? And I just kept driving. And I got to church and I said, okay, you know, I didn't call right away because the whole time I'm just praying because I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be it. And this is when I will say that I'm mustering up the courage. And I can't say that I was like, you know, brave and strong. It was a little bit like intimidating. And so I went to church and I didn't answer it right away. So it was a couple hours. And so when I called in and I said, the pager went off. Yes. What would you, you know? And they're like, well, you know what? We have enough people here who have come into the office already, so don't bother to come in today. Come in tomorrow, Sunday, and we need you to stay for the whole day to put this package together. And so that's what ended up happening. And so I went in, and it still turns out, I mean, <laughs> as I look back on it now, um, it's just amazing. But anyway, so I never had to deal with any of the Sabbath issues in that sense. And so it was, you know, when the time was right in terms of when I felt like, okay, it's time for me to leave, I went and I said, okay. I need, I need to leave. And so that's how it ended up happening. So I feel like I've like gone on and on and on. So that's how I ended up at Andrews University. And so I was at 30 Rock. You know, you're asking, did I work at 30 Rock? And so that's where I was for 30 days, 30, 30, 30 Rock for 11 years. And so, you know, as I think of this quote, you know, the people are hungry for the bread of life. Do not offer them a stone. And I mean, I was working at 30 Rock and I felt like you can offer them anything. I'd go and I said, I'm really sorry that you've lost your, you know, your mother, your father, your son, your daughter. But there was anything that I could offer them. And then when I found out that there was this God who wants a relationship with us and a God who gave me so much peace, because that was the other thing, too, in terms of discovering that you had this prayer life whereby you could talk to him and he would give you the assurance and have you not worry. Because, I mean, those 11 years, you can imagine on the go, news is breaking. It's a stressful life. It's a life where you're constantly worrying. I don't know when I show up at somebody's store, if they're going to have the dogs, if they're going to pull a gun, if they're going to, you know, whatever's going to happen. It's stressful. And so now when I have this peaceful assurance whereby there's a God who I can talk to him and he will direct my path and kind of tell me, okay, this is what you need to do. Don't do this. Talk to that. Talk about freedom. Talk about freedom. So... Anyway, so that's how that ended up happening. And so I ended up at Andrews University and now at the Lake Union, where I've been, like I said, for the last 17 months. 
<laughs> so I wanted to find out, you know, what are you hoping to get from this before I sort of delve into, um, you know, writing? Because what I have planned, and hopefully, you know, it's some of the basics of storytelling. Because, I mean, that's what I've been teaching. That's what I went to school for. That's, you know, after I left what I said booking, I said I did booking for four years. Then I went into production. So I had to be writing the stories. It's no longer just, you know, booking people, but then writing the scripts to, and assembling the package, working with the crews, working with the um, the editors to do whatever it takes. And that's what the producer does, whatever it takes to get the show on the air, on time, on deadline. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to cover in the next, um, you know, 40 minutes or so in terms of what you're hoping in terms of the essence of the basics of writing and also in terms of with the Lake Union. And since I've been there in terms of what I've discovered are, um, you know, what are some of the... Um, the elements that will get you a strong piece in the publication. Since I'm a dinosaur, I've been a Venice, I was in another church, but I've been in Adventist for 40 years. Uh, and I still don't know where the Lake Union is based. Okay. Is it in the Chicago area? No, no. Does anyone know? Because that's interesting. Because you know what? This helps me because, like I said, I mean, I feel like I'm still growing. Uh-huh. Where? It's in Berrien. Oh, is it? Yeah, so I didn't have to move because Andrews is right there and it's just down the road. It actually... With the college? It used to be right there on the, the college yes. campus, but now it's like maybe a mile away on the highway because they built a new building maybe three years ago or so. This is before my time. Probably a lot of people don't know that. And the thing about it, you know, you know, and you're right. And actually in January, and that's one of the things I'm coming, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what are some of the things that most people know? What are some of the things that just I am, you know, clueless about because I'm just starting? And so that's one of the things I've come to realize because sometimes I'll call people and say, I'm calling from the Lake Union Conference, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they say, Lake Union Conference, are you with the Lake Region Conference? And I'm like, no, Lake Region is different. And they're like, where are you based? Are you with Michigan Conference? And it's like, no, Lake Union Conference. <laughs> and having to explain, do you understand the hierarchy, though, for most of you in terms of how it operates, in terms of where the division and then the union and then the local conferences? And then, so all these things I'm realizing that don't take anything for granted because I think we're all learning in terms of how the church is organized. Yeah. But, yeah, but what are you hoping to get from this session? Yes. And tell me your name. Oh, my name is Yvonne. Okay. I'm from just north of Lansing, town called St. John's. Okay. Uh, I had been a Methodist like Mrs. White, oh. but my husband's family were Adventists, that's how I came into the church. I grew up with lots of biblical questions, but they weren't answered. But when I took Bible studies, they were all answered, although it took me two years for the Holy Spirit to work on me before I accepted the Sabbath. Amen. And I admire people who accepted sooner than door twenty or two, two years. Um, are you going to be sharing more than just who, what, where, when, why, and how? A little bit more, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I will talk about that. Uh, do you? But you want to know what I'm looking for in this class? Yeah. What are you hoping to how do? How much time are you giving me? <laughs> One minute. <laughs> uh, well, I'm 75 years old. My time is running out. Uh, we had a son with disabilities that the Lord blessed us with, mm. and I had quite a life experience. It was a rare condition, there were only nine in the world. Wow. We had difficulty getting his medical and educational needs met, but anyway, he's no longer with us. 
Uh, but the Lord laid on my heart that people with disabilities were a major part of his ministry and I providentially ended up involved in advocacy for people with disabilities and their uh. families and I learned that 25% of our population are people with disabilities mm. and 10% are people with noticeable disabilities. I should say that this is in Michigan, these percentages. And this was like 25, 30 years ago too. So, uh, so there may be more or less. But anyway, we don't have that kind of representation in our churches. So are you hoping to write stories or uh, to, to kind I of bring awareness I'll, to... I'll tell you when our son died 25 years ago now, uh, they told us he probably wouldn't live to be two and we had him almost 25 years. Wow, wow. They're not God. Wow. Uh, but anyway, when he passed away, are you familiar with Johnny Erickson Tada and her ministry? Johnny Erickson Todd. Mm -mm. She's famous and they did a movie of her life. Oh, really? She was uh, a normal person but had a diving accident and became quadriplegic. Okay, and okay. she's got a ministry all over the world for people with disabilities. And she's a God-fearing ah. person. Not an Adventist, but a, a, a Christian. But anyway, and she's written several books. And at that time, I talked with Elda Gallimore. He was... 25 years ago, our conference president mm -hmm. back then, mm -hmm. uh, that we wanted to purchase a book that I was that I knew of called All God's Children and give them to each church. So there was 125 books that we got out to the Michigan Conference at that time, given to the pastors, and it uh, showed all the various different disabilities and, and how you can relate to them and how you can involve them in your churches. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that was 25 years ago and I, I've i been working with the conference through the years about getting camp meeting accessible and okay. I'm seeing more and more people here with disabilities. But still, the, we don't have the representation. So how how's the writing so going to I've tie into... I've given up writing a book. I okay, so you want to write a book. I'd like to write an article possibly. Okay, all right, all right. You have a ministry, and that's one of the things to I mean from your passion and the things that you've gone through, birth, you know, stories. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, in fact, after I'm done here, I'm going to go see her because she tells me that she is um, at one of the the um, exhibits. Someone who actually wrote an article in the Current Herald about her um, her um, she was an alcoholic. And so did anyone see that story? So she wrote a story. She's here. So at the bottom of the article, it was, you know, saying that, you know, her ministry journey to wholeness and that she'd be at camp meetings. She sent me a text last week, you know, I was in Georgia and she said, you wouldn't believe the amount of people who have stopped by to say, I've seen the article and they want to talk about it because, you know, X, Y, Z can relate to it. And so what you've gone through can absolutely, you know, and when I would go and talk to people for NBC, and you try to figure out in terms of why would these people, they're going through, you know, the worst time in their lives, talk. And quite often it's because they want someone else who has gone through what they have gone through. Like, I mean, I'll never forget the face of this mother of an 11-year-old boy who, you know, committed suicide because he had been bullied. And just, you know, the, the, the you know, her clothes was wet with tears from crying. And it's like, why would she want to talk? but because she just wanted to make sure that this never happens precisely and not just taking this just for, you know, sensationalistic value, but in terms of 
using it for good. So I can relate to you. And I'll say this much too. The person who introduced me to Adventist, Adventist, Adventism eventually became my husband. So <laughs> it, it turns out nicely sometimes. Yeah. My name is Tina. I'm from, I live in Indian River, go to the Anway Church, and my husband and I are their communication um, secretaries, I guess is what the, our title is, okay. and I noticed in one of the Lake Union Heralds that said that, you know, um, we would have to be sending in obituaries and wedding and, and other possibilities, so I said, hey, I better go look Come what here. I'm what to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, and so Lisa and Tina. Tina. Yovana. Yovana. Lisa, Tina. Uh -huh. Kathy. Kathy. Okay. Um, Oakwood Church. Okay. Communication leader. Okay. Um, we have newsletters. We have mass emails. You know, we do lots of communication in-house, but it sounds like you're going to cover what I'm here for, the who, what, where, when, how, why, okay. know, all those things. The basics so of writing. submit articles. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. At any time, feel free to, you know, if there's anything that's not clear or if you'd like for me to, you know, explain it another way, go over it, please let me know. I have a lot of information and so it's almost like four o'clock and I think I have until, he said like 4.30, 4.45. But if there's, you know, if we want to do Q&A as we go along or save it to the end, you know, if as we're going along, if there are questions, you know, feel free. So what I have here now is, uh, I'm gonna, just going to go over to some of the basics of storytelling and then the, the second part of my presentation will be specifically the Herald and what are some of the things that we are looking for. So this is just a quote I came across. It was actually a Christian author, Janet Lither, Litherland, I think is how you pronounce her last name. But she was talking about the power of stories and she says, stories have power, they delight, enchant, touch, teach, recall, inspire, motivate, challenge. They help us understand. They imprint a picture on our minds. You want to make a point or raise an issue? Tell a story. And how many of you can probably relate? Because, I mean, so many times, you know, for instance, in our church, and I will just see it in terms of where a pastor might be going on and on and on. And it's when there's like a personal story, and especially, a, you know, something where people can connect. It's like, perk up. I'm listening. It's no longer just sort of like, you know, a, 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 a monotone of a, of, a, of a narrative going on. There's something more that I'm interested in. So stories are very um, relational for people to be able to say, you know what? I want to know more. And so I'm going to sprinkle some um, spirit of prophecy and some scripture that I have found to be um, germane to what we're talking about as well. And it says the publications, and I'm thinking about, you know, like our Lake Union or our church publications, they've been sent forth from our printing houses to prepare a people to meet God. And in a large degree through our publishing houses is to be accomplished the work of that other angel who comes down from heaven with great power and lightens the earth with his glory. And that's something for me, at least I know that speaks to me in terms of why I said to you that after you have this good news, after you know that there's a God who cares and a God who loves you so much, I could not 
not say, you know what, I would like to share it. And so when I think about that, um, that angel lightening the earth, I'm just thinking about, because I mean, how many times do you turn on the news and it's like, oh, just another sad, sick thing that you have to worry about again. And to know that there is, you know, these publications. And so that's one of the things I would like to think of when I think of the church publications, that they're doing the job of lightening the earth and helping to bring people um, into this um, heavenly atmosphere. So tips for storytelling, stories about people. And I'll tell you, this is like journalism school. This is journalism 101. And it's one of those things, and which is why, again, when I was at NBC and I said that they had, I was a booking producer, can you believe it? There's a department, there were about six of us, whose job it is to find the people. So you would think that something has happened, whether it's, you know, um, you know, I talked about all these devastating things, but say, for instance, um, healthcare or, um, you know, poverty, how do you tell those stories? These are issues, but it's through the people and their experiences in their lives and so you cannot do it without people. So I will just say in terms of, as you think of stories, think of, okay, who can I have now to tell that story and tell it in a way that will connect with my audience? But don't just think of it just as an issue. I wanna talk about you know the statistics. Like for instance, this person I talked about, um, Harleen, who is there at the um, exhibit, who was an alcoholic, she had some statistics in her article that talked about the amount of people who are addicted to some kind of substance. She kind of made it relevant in the sense that we have this opioid, opioid? opioid crisis that's going on. So there again, in terms of where it's something timely and relevant, but then it was her story. And so tying it all together, whereby you had the personal story and the statistics to pull it together. Welcome, <laughs> come on in. Uh -huh. Which of the Lake Union Heralds was her story? It's the current one, June, current. June, July, June, July. That one came out at the beginning of the month. Yes. All right. Very good. Um, so people. So never forget that in terms of people. Um, and we'll talk a little bit later um, as I go along as well in terms of how to actually make sure that you um, fully... Um, the, the, the aspects of the story to make sure that you fully, um, you fully, what's the word I'm looking for? Because I want to, it's not taking advantage because you're not taking advantage of them. You fully embrace their story to be able to share it. And so we'll talk about that as we go along. So let your characters speak for themselves. So what do you think I mean by that? When you see a story, if I say, let them speak for themselves, their language. So I want to see it in quotes. Because this is one of the rookie mistakes that I get from churches, whereby they'll tell someone's story and they'll pretty much just paraphrase. And I'm hearing it from the writer's voice. And I never hear the person who told them the story. I never hear what they said. So quotation marks. So X, Y, Z said whatever, whatever. And give me some descriptions of how they might have said it or what they um, were doing when they said it. The setting of the place. Does that make sense? Okay. Question, mm -hmm. You're thinking about truth kinds of stories or mission kinds of stories or both? What are you talking any about? story, okay. any story, mission story, uh -huh. or um, you know stories of you know adversity that someone has gone through. True, but, uh -huh. Everything, 
all the stories. When you say not necessarily true, are you saying, because all the stories I'd like to think we tell are true. What's up with the books? Oh, you're talking you're novels. Reading, huh? The kids, kids, you know, kinds of mission stories. Oh, okay. Oh, if they're actually true or not. Yeah, I don't deal with the, the, the children's story. And I'll tell you this much. I mean, it's so funny. When people, when my students hear me tell some of these stories, they said, you sure you went on adventures growing up all your life? Because I'll say, I never did like those stories that were fables. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's always, you know, for me, nonfiction. But anyway, um, so let your characters speak for themselves. Um, the next one, audiences bore easily. Do you agree? Yes. <laughs> I would think you tend to agree. So what do you think might be some of the things we want to avoid in order to not bore them? What do you think? What are some of the, the things we, we can probably do when we write a story? Have to catch their interest in the very first paragraph. And how do and I, Okay. All right. So catch their interest. Anything else that you can think of? Keep them moving. Keep them moving. Keep it moving. Yes. So short is one of the things I can, I'd like to think of it as being concise. And yes, you have to catch their interest from the beginning. And I'll talk about it, um, some of the things, some of the techniques you can do at the beginning, those opening paragraphs to catch their attention. All right. But one of the things, look at the world that we're living in now in terms of 24-7. How many things you're doing sometimes in terms of multitasking? Even though you might have, you know, a newspaper here, but you might have, you know, something playing in the background or you might be talking to little Johnny here or on the phone. So you have to be mindful of your audience. And that's the other thing, too, because they're busy. They're super busy. And you don't want for them to sort of like, you know, oh, I see this article, there's, you know, and maybe just, I don't even know if they'll skim it, but you know, they'll keep turning the pages. And that's not what you want. You're trying to actually capture them. So you have to think about the, the context of what they're reading it in. Yes. Are you saying that, so write something that they can relate to right away? I will get into that a little bit more. So this is more like just some general tips that I'm giving you. Picture? Yes. Picture? And actually, before they even read the article, quite often, it's the picture and the caption. So, I mean, we're not going to talk about photography in this class, but the design, the photography, the layout, it all comes together. And that's how you actually will pull the audience in. But I'm more focusing on the writing aspect of it. So absolutely. So for those of you who are communication directors as well, clear pictures. People have been using cell phone pictures. And you can get some sharp pictures with your cell phones. But make sure that. Um, uh, I don't want to start segueing into a photography section, <laughs> but just make sure there's proper lighting and um, you know that it's, that it's clear. Because I can tell you how many times I have to call someone up and say, you know, can you send me something else? Is there anything that's you know not so fuzzy where you know you can see what's going on? But anyway, but absolutely pictures as well. So stories stir up emotion, and I think we sort of covered this already, um, and why they're valuable in terms of reaching your audience, and especially when you're trying to get someone to want to stick with your story, because that's your job as a writer. You, your job is that once they start reading, you want for them to stay all the way to the end. And so this is one of the characteristics of what they consider um, strong stories, that there's some emotion. And not all stories will have emotion, but if there's some kind of emotion 
that your subject has gone through. And it's not something you want to, to, to gloss over because that's where your audience will start connecting. You know, oh boy, they went through this. And so you, 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 you want to be able to use that. And so emotion is one of the things in terms of characteristic of um, trying to decide if a story is something worth covering. And again, for my communication directors, um, characteristics of, of, um, of news stories, which I don't go into a lot here, emotion is one. If something is timely, that it was something that um, happened you know, recently. Because for instance, I don't want to be running things in the Herald in August that happened at Christmas. You kind of, your, your frame of mind is not really there. So something that's timely, something that is um, um, unique, you know, because that's the other thing too, in terms of people will say, well, how many times are you gonna do, you know, a baptism story, a conversion story? As far as I'm concerned, there's always something new and interesting in terms of how God is working. And that's when you focus on the people and let them speak in terms of with the quotes and listen clearly. And um, sometimes it means too going back and asking more pointed questions that you might've missed. And this is one of the other things too, in terms of when I would tell my students, you know, they might've done an interview and it took them like 15 minutes and they wrote it up and it's like, you just kind of scratched the surface at that point. So as you're looking for it, look, what are some of those unique parts of the story that you think that, you know what, this is something that I'd like to be able to, um, to, put, to put forth because that's another way that your audience, they may not have heard of something like that before. You know, for instance, um, I'm just trying to think. What's something that, you know, as you think of, you know, conversion or um, baptism stories that's perhaps unique? Well, I'll tell you, as you get older, you can look back on your life and see how the Lord has led you. More to do. But as you are interviewing someone, say, for their story, and you are trying to now, you know, honing on, okay, how do I make this? something where it's not just your run-of-the-mill story that you know people's eyes just glaze over you don't want that and so that's what i'm trying to get at in terms of um listening for um things that you did not expect in the story and that's something then that you want to play up fairly high up that your your audience is drawn into and i i'm drawing a blind that's why i'm kind of turning to you as well in terms of like what are some of those unique things that you can think of? Because, I mean, we do hear about... You do human interest stories in mm -hmm. the world and not just... Topical. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Toward the back. And we'll talk about, you know, the Herald and how it's organized, which I, which I would like to do as well. But um, we do human interest and we do topics. And so topics like we did um, before this one, it was, it was a camp meeting, and that's like a topic, and before that was wheat and tears. So it wasn't really the human interest so much, but in terms of there's a controversial topic like wheat and tears. So those are some of the things. And that's another thing, too, that makes news, something that's a controversial issue within the church that everybody wants to, you know, like, what, you know, what are they saying? Those are things that you want to be kind of honing on as well in terms of, like, we need to be covering these kinds of things. All right. Stories don't tell, they show. This is a big one. And another rookie mistake with students over the years that I would, you know, we wrestle with the copy back and forth. What do you think I mean by that? Stories 
don't tell, they show. What do you think? Yes. So in, in, in terms of saying that, um, you know, Karen Smith is a, um, Karen Smith is, um, Karen Smith is a, I'm trying to think, and because the one I'm thinking of, the, the adjective that I'm thinking of is, she's poor. So you're telling us, but then what are some of the things in terms of when you're writing that story to show us? So in terms of, you know, painting a, a scene, in terms of, you know, the, um, the, 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 the tread-worn um, couch, the, um, you know, the, the empty pantry. Paint me that picture rather than just kind of telling me and just kind of glossing it over. And so these are kind of one of, another way in terms of like delving into the meat of the story rather than just glossing over it. All right. Stories have at least one moment of truth. What do you think I mean by that? A moment of truth. Peak of the story, the story arc, in terms of whereby there's, you know, someone is going about life and then there's something that happens, some issue, some, um, some bump in the road, and that becomes like the arc of the story. How will they now get through this obstacle to come over on the other side? And then when you mentioned, um, you know, to teach, that is also one of the things as well. There's stories that are there to inspire, to educate, to entertain, what is it you're trying to do with this story? Huh? I'm going too fast. Okay. I'm sorry. When I start getting all excited, I'm like, okay, I'll slow down. Yeah. So some stories, yeah, teach to inspire, to, um, to entertain. Yeah. So a lot of the stories we did at um, NBC, some were, you know, we're hoping that we can, you know, there's some teachable moments there. Like I mentioned the whole thing with the, 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 the suicide or people are going through things. But quite often, and that's where, for me, it became something where it was sort of like, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Because for the most part, it felt like entertainment. And I'd reached that stage whereby it was like, we're living in the last days. I cannot afford to be wasting time trying to entertain. People need to know what's going on. People need to wake up. And so what is it your story is trying to do? Is it trying to teach? And that's one of the values. That's an educational um, um, that's a component of a story, the educational value, because sometimes in terms of like what we did in January with our issue, it was church organization. It was just like, how is the church organized? Because like I said, it was one of those basic things you realize that not everyone knows. And so that was a story to educate. Whereas um, like a story I'm working on for the August issue, um, which is on public campus ministries, and it was talking about this, um, you know, we, it's fresh in my mind so I can talk about it. Um, this young woman who was in a public campus um, environment and um, went down the wrong, the wrong path. So that is the story, uh, again, whereby it's to teach, but also hopefully to, um, to inspire as well. So it, it can have various, um, various layers, various, you know, what we want to do. All right, stories have clear meaning. And I think that we've sort of gone through some of this already as well. So I'm going to just skip through that one clearly. So, all right. So you were asking me, are we going to do more than the who, what, where, I went? So I'll start off with this because 
you know, in the time that we have, I can't do a whole semester long writing workshop with you. I wish we could. So we got to just kind of hit on some of the basic points. But um, types of lead. So one type of lead is your traditional lead is what we call it. And this is suitable for news stories. And so in the back of the Herald, our news section. And so again, alert for my news, my communication directors, when you're submitting stories, for the most part, these are the kinds of leads that you'll be doing in terms of your who, what, where, why, when, in terms of, you know, um, I gave you an example here, and this is one that I just pulled um, fresh from the, um, the headlines yesterday. After 42 years on the endangered species list, the Yellowstone grizzly bear, whose numbers have grown to more than 700 from fewer than 150, will lose its protected status the Interior Department announced on Thursday. So we have some context. How many years this animal has been on the endangered um, list? So it wasn't just that, you know, the grizzly bear will be, um, the Yellowstone grizzly bear will no longer be on the endangered list. You sort of get a good picture. And this is one of the things, again, whereby people bore easily or they don't have time. And so you've given me a lot here. And so if I don't have time to read the rest of it, I pretty much have gotten a good summary. So you're looking for a summary, and that's another um, name for a traditional headline, a summary headline. You've summarized it. And you don't have to have all of those components. You don't have to give me all of them. Because in this one, how many of them do we have? Do you have all who, what, where, why, when, and how? What's your who in that example? What's the who? The, the who is the department. Mm, well, they're the ones who announced it. Yeah, they're the ones who announced it. The who is pretty much in terms of what is it referring, who, who is the topic of this? The grizzly, the grizzly bears. The grizzly bears. That's what it's about. Who um, and what? What happened? They're, they're no longer on the list. Um, where? I guess we don't really have the, the right. And we have it in the, the what we call the, um, the dateline, where you have the Helen, Helena Montana. Um, and you don't have to do, when you're sending in stories, the datelines. I will just usually, at the front of it, say either Michigan or Indiana, Wisconsin, whatever conference it comes from. But that's the, um, the where. The why, their numbers have grown. And when, Thursday, yep. And how? We don't know how their numbers have grown, do we? We just know that. And so this is, again, whereby the how doesn't have to be in it. But this is a short, succinct, and your leads are usually about 35 words. The lead, the first paragraph, no more than 35. Yeah, it's the lead, exactly. The first paragraph, very good question. The first paragraph is called the lead, and it has to be short and tight. And I'm going to send you an example of a story that I just got from someone who submitted it. And I have redacted the names to protect the innocent. And so we'll go through a little exercise after I do the next type of lead and see if you can kind of practice, all right? But is it clear in terms of when you're sending it? And because, I mean, 
I don't have time quite often. I've gotten this magazine in, in, in the mail. I do want to know what's going on, but I can't afford to sift through every paragraph because I have a family to take care of. I have to do the carpooling. I have my husband to take care of, my wife, what, et cetera. So think about your audience in terms of how do I kind of jam a lot of information when you're doing the traditional lead for news stories whereby they can still get it. And then if they want more, there is more. You start giving me now the details and building on what it is that's been said. All right, so non-traditional leads. You guys are still with me in the back? <laughs> non-traditional leads. So these are more for your feature news stories. And do you know what the difference is between like your hard news and your hard news is usually, you know, well, they're, they're all factual, but hard news is usually where I'm trying to think now. Say, for instance, you wanted to talk about, you know, what's happened, talk about camp meeting. Your who in terms of Michigan camp, you know, had their meeting, you know, such and such a date. And um, I'm trying to think what's the news. I've not really been around. But again, this is one of the things, too, that. For example, the tree got struck by lightning and everybody uh, felt the boom and the ground. Thank you. <laughs> no. Oh, is that what happened? So you see, that's timely. Oh, really? See, see, I would like set that up in the lead. Wow! After the final prayer, you know, like during the final prayer. Wow! 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 So setting the scene. So the news story of what is going on, because quite often, again, another rookie mistake that happens is that we get these label leads is what I call them, whereby they'll say something like, you know, Michigan camp meeting happened and they um, were able to, and they attracted 3,000 people. Is that news? Unless it's like more than they've ever had, maybe it's news if they've gone above and beyond and they've done some innovative things whereby the, um, the numbers, but don't focus so much on the numbers of people, but what is the news in terms of, you have to sort of like analyze in terms of what is something that's unique, timely, um, controversial, um, emotional. What are some of those things that you think that I need to focus on and that becomes my story? So there has to be some sort of analysis before you actually sit down to even write. All right, so some of the non-traditional leads. And so feature type stories I was talking about, it's more your human interest type story, whereby, you know, someone who has overcome something. And so you can have um, these kinds of leads, a scene setter lead, an anecdotal lead, or a zinger. Scene setter, anecdote, or zinger. There are others, but I'm focusing on these three because they're the more common one. I'll give you an example of each. So for instance, for um, a scene setting lead. And again, depending on the story, so like the camp meeting story, do you wanna do a feature style lead whereby you're describing the scene? And so for instance, here, on the second floor of an old Bavarian palace in Munich, Germany, there's a library with high ceilings, a distinctly bookish smell, and one of the world's most extensive collections of Latin texts. About 20 researchers from all over the world work in small offices around the room. Do you feel like you're there? You kind of know that this says high ceilings, the smell of the room is like of books, and what kinds of books there are and how many people. You're sort of setting the scene. So these are usually two for longer type stories. And usually if you're going to be prof profiling, I don't know what the rest of this story is. It's probably, 
Where do you think they're going with this? What do you think it's setting it up for? What will the story be? Something to do with the library and what's going on inside that library. It's, it's setting it up and so we're about to allow learn more. And so you've kind of painted a picture. You've set the scene. I can kind of see, I can smell, I can feel, I can touch. Those are some of the things you're thinking about with scene setter type leads. All right, so and what I'm doing, I'm breaking it down for you. So when you're sitting down to write, you're trying to figure out, okay, what kind of lead do I want? Do I want a hard news, you know, traditional or a non-traditional like what I'm going over now? So these are things that will make it so much easier so you're not sort of like just scattering and just kind of writing, you know, aimlessly, but kind of making it. Why they're there. You want to read more. Absolutely. All right. I'm watching the time, so I'm going to go a little bit faster. <laughs> but if I need to slow down, do let me know. All right. So another type of the non-traditional lead is anecdote. An anecdote is a, a, a story that sort of expands the greater story. So what I mean by that, for an example, you know, one day, uh, on the day of the collision last month, visibility was good. The sidewalk was not under repair. As she walked, Tiffany Briggs, 25, was talking to her grandmother on her cell phone, lost in conversation, very lost. I ran into a truck, Miss Briggs said. It was parked in a driveway. So this is an anecdote whereby it's a smaller story to expand on a greater story. What do you think this story is about? Huh? Yes, yes. So probably distracted, you know, walking. How many of us sort of like, you know, doing this? So this is a smaller story now that's probably going to expand on this whole issue of people who are distracted as they you know, on their cell phones or doing whatever. So that's an example of an anecdotal lead. All right, so another type of a news story, feature story lead is Zinger. Zinger is one of those leads where, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that can easily go wrong. It's the shortest lead you can think of. It's usually just a few, few words, but it's one of those things where when people read it, it's sort of like they can't believe it. It's like, this is crazy. So this one, it says, his last meal was worth $30,000 and it killed him. What? What happened? So this was a story about a man who was trying to smuggle, you know, drugs and ended up dying. So those are usually actually a little bit more difficult to write, but it's one of those things whereby you can grab the attention fairly quickly of your audience of what it is. First paragraph, first, first line. This one is first sentence, first sentence. All right, so this is one now I want for you to, let's see. Uh, all right, I'll give you two minutes. So this is something, like I said, it just showed up in my inbox yesterday and I've protected the innocent. <laughs> so see if, this is the first paragraph, this was the lead. And see if you can um, boil this down, put it either in a, non-traditional lead, which is your who, what, where, why, when, or your um, non-traditional, a scene setter, an anecdote. See if you can, yeah, or if you want to tell me, because I know we're running out of time. So if you want to tell me what you think, how would you? Because again, you're trying to capture your reader's attention. You want to, you know, give them 
the, 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 the crux of the story, but without overdoing it. And that's one of the things too with leads sometimes, what happens, a rookie mistake, more than 35 words and you've jammed way too much information in there for me to digest. I'll give you one minute. See if you can kind of tell me what you think, um, how would you improve it? So you don't have to rewrite it because we're short on time, but what, what would you do? How would you, and this is not from Michigan, so I try to make sure that this is, <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Probably try and make it more synopsis, not, not, not so long. You've kind of jived into the story real quickly. You're telling me in terms of members, you know, how they learned about it. This is more like the secondary type information. How do they find out about it? Yeah. An anecdote? To get this idea. Ah, I love those leads. Absolutely. An anecdote type lead in terms of a story whereby, at what point did that aha moment come to her whereby, you know what, this might be something that's worth pursuing, all right? So I'm not gonna go, um, you know, for you to rewrite it because it might take a little while, but this is one of those things what I call a weak lead. And so my job as the editor now is to try and figure out, okay, how do I kind of streamline it? So if you send me stuff that's already like ready to go, it's more likely, quickly, um, likely to be, to be so printed. Rewrite things or an editor? All the time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, that one will be a challenge. <laughs> Do you want to help me? <laughs> I haven't started on it yet. <laughs> but you know what? I cannot, you know what? I am not, uh, and I totally understand because I know for me, I have gone through the training and if I've not done journalism training, it's not something that comes easily. It's not a natural thing. And so I'm actually grateful to get the stories because, I mean, as we get into the Herald now, one of the things that I was surprised at when I got there was that I thought I'd be getting stories and I'd be you know, like editing, but I'm like picking up the phone, please send me a story. It's difficult. We don't get a lot of stories. So when you were saying that you want to write and that your job, and I'm like, hallelujah, praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> Ideas is one thing, but I do need writers as well because I mean, part of my job is to go around and do training and then I'm doing um, video production, which is also something that's very time consuming. So it's not all just the Herald stuff that I do, but it's a big part of my job. So anyway, uh, this is a little quiz. I sort of like from my Dateline days. In Dateline, we used to have, you know, right before we did a commercial break, we said, um, huh, you do like I Dateline? Like Dateline. <laughs> so we used to have this commercial break right before we had to get to commercial break. Um, you know, we'd play in terms like in what year, you know, blah, 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 what happened. So anyway, this is for you to try and guess what year you think the Herald was born. So it was the day that Mother's Day was celebrated for the first time. Henry Ford introduced his first Model T. Billy Murray hit the charts with Take Me Out to the Ball Game. The first passenger flight in an airplane took place. General Motors Corporation was founded. The first Gideon Bible was placed in a hotel room. What year was it? And this is what it looked like. I just kind of took a picture of it. We had it in, you know, bound in a book. We actually have the original in a vault, but this is one we reprinted it. A couple of years ago, we did our anniversary. You probably, you know, you can't see it because it's too small, but. <laughs> so I'll give you a little bit as you're thinking about it, how the Herald came to be. So the review press apparently was based in Michigan and 
they moved to Tacoma Park. And so when they moved, the Great Lakes area wasn't getting as much coverage. There used to be a lot of stories from the Great Lakes. And so the Great Lakes was feeling like, you know what? We wanted our own. And so the conference presidents voted. They apparently used to have a um, local conference report that they would send to their constituents, but then now they wanted a family type letter, something whereby everybody together now in this one particular um, magazine. And so at that time to Emmanuel Missionary College, um, now Andrews University, they were struggling and they thought this is another way in which they could also help the presses. And so that's one of the reasons too why they decided, you know what, let's do this thing, you know, call the Herald. It was eight pages, 50 cents it cost, all black and white. Um, one of the first um, contributors there on the page is Ellen White, who wrote for the Lake Union Herald. It was actually one of a kind. It was actually the pioneer in the entire um, division in terms of no one else had a union magazine. So the Herald has a rich history. So for me to think that I'm such a part of it, it's like, wow, it's humbling. So what year? 18 something? 19 something, 1919. <laughs> Any guesses? 1943? You said 19 or 1843? 1943, 1918? 1887. 1988. The year was 1908. 1908 when the Herald first was born. All right, so I'm going to go through this really quickly. So this is our most recent issue. This is our August issue that just hit the newsstands. This is the one that has the story that I keep mentioning, the, um, the alcoholic. And so our mission in the, um, for this magazine, which is not very different from what it was in 1908, believe it or not. On the front page, it had in terms of that they wanted to unify the Lake Union. They wanted to inspire. They wanted to educate the constituents in the union. And that's what we have as our mission statement today, telling the stories of what God is doing in the lives of his people. So that's another thing, too. When you write your news stories, always try to figure out, okay, what is God doing in the lives of his people? So if the kids have had a, um, I don't know, a bake sale, or they have done some kind of, you know, um, bike ride to raise funds. What is God doing in the lives of his people? And then how are they using this now to put forth the mission? Is that clear? Because that's one of the things too. That's another mis not mistake. So anyway, this is the, um, the staff. So Gary Burns, he's the editor who I work with. I'm the managing editor. And Judy Doty, who is about to retire, who's been there for a long time as well. She's the back pages editor. So everything dealing with obituary, marriage, death, She's the one who gets um, that information and she deals with it and I deal with the rest of the magazine, everything um, to that point. Robert Mason is our graphic designer and Susan Slicker is, is our copy editor. They're not on staff, those are freelancers. Susan is in Wisconsin, Robert is in Idaho. So the only ones who are in the Lake Union are the three of us, um, myself, Gary, and Judy. All right, and Telling God's stories. So two pages are dedicated to sharing. This is some of the, these are some of the columns that we have that you can write for or send in stories. And I'm always open looking for ideas for these stories. Telling God's stories. So two pages in the magazine, they're dedicated to sharing stories about our readers, sharing stories about our readers and how they're seeing God work in the lives, in their lives or the lives of others. Sometimes these stories are new members who have discovered the joy of Jesus. Other times they're experiences of God's intervention in the lives of his children. So these are, you know, just how God is working. What are some of those um, 
really wonderful ways that we can show the world. All right, sharing our hope, that's another column. And this is one page, 500 words, and it focuses on stories and methods of evangelism. So what are some of those unique initiatives that your church may have done? Creative methods for reaching those in our community. And so like, for instance, the one that I just shared with you there, which is a reverse diabetes, that will be a sharing our hope. You know, we're going to fix it up and that will become like, you know, this is one of the ways in which the church is now reaching out to, um, to share with our community. News stories, which I sort of, you know, mentioned. These are interesting stories that you have, you know, from church schools, um, Sabbath schools and ministries within the Lake Union. And all these pictures I'm showing you, these are all, actually all of these are Michigan. This is the person at the ACS. And before that, um, actually this was at GA last summer. Um, anyway, One Voice, this is for young people. Stories of faith and challenge written by readers between the ages of 14 and 30. So if there's a young person, this is first person. So if there's a young person in your church, and this is something we pay a $100 scholarship um, to them. So this is another opportunity for them to write for us. On the Edge, this is a like 450 word article where it highlights a youth or young adult who's putting their faith in action. Somebody who is just you know living on the edge for God. That's another way in which we spotlight. We want to make sure we're being intentional that we cover our young people. Am I going too fast here? Or Okay. All right. You can't really see this, but our schedule for the rest of the year, and I'm going to gloss through this, but it's all on our website, by the way. But um, for instance, the next issue, the one that I'm working on now, is the August issue. And the deadline for those stories, it was June 5th. And I'm actually full with stories, but if you have um, the obituaries, you know, wedding announcements, any of that stuff, you can still submit them. You can submit them. Um, and you can send all of this, by the way, to Harold at LakeUnion.org. Harold at Lake Union. Um, so the next issue I'm working on, the theme is public campus ministry. Then in September, there's the Andrews University issue. That's a theme issue every year that they do, and then we're doing in October the Reformation anniversary, and in November, December, coping with loss. And so every year for the Lake Union, we have um, some standing themes that we cover, like Adventist Christian education, camp, camp meeting, health, Andrews University. Those are four that are set. Every year we have those themes, and then the others are the um, administrators at the union, they get together and they figure out okay, what are some of the themes that we need to cover for the year and then they decide. And so those are there and so our, do, our, our deadlines are there. Um, other services that you might not be aware of that the Lake Union provides, our communication department, coverage of news events. And so if you're having a big event and you said, you know what, I'd like for somebody to come in and um, cover it for us, um, we can do that um, video production, we do videos for churches. We do training in crisis communication, writing, photography, design, and website. We provide websites for all schools and churches. And so those are things that you can, you can connect with us um, to find out more about. We just got on Facebook. <laughs> um, and we have a Vimeo channel. And we also just launched a podcast, SoundCloud podcast, 
um, that's hosted by yours truly. And so what I've been doing is that I've been um, interviewing um, people who are, like for instance, the first one we did was Nicholas Miller, who was talking about, at that point, the Johnson Amendment was hot in the news. And so we were able to do an interview with him um, in terms of how um, churches are now more involved in political campaigns. And then public campus ministry, I was doing that issue, so we had the public ministry, public campus ministry coordinator, and then Randy Griffin, who is our health director. Um, those are places where you can see some of the things we're doing. All right, so more than 1,000 will soon be converted in one day. Most of them will trace their first convictions to the reading of our publication. I mean, it's such, a, it's such an honor. I mean, people say to me, don't you miss your job? What an honor, what an honor to be able to be part of the work in terms of helping people to realize that in this world that there's a God who can help them and that there's a God who's coming soon. And so I'm just so grateful and so blessed. I, I tell people I really have the best job because when I start talking to you, start telling me your story, what you've gone through, it's like my faith is strengthened. So I know that with our publications. That is my contact information and we did it, 445. <laughs> if you have any questions, you know, feel free. And I have business cards, so I can give you business cards too. Yeah. If you can write them, they're better. If you can write them, they're better. You know why? Because like I said, if you give me the ideas, what I do is that I will then now talk to student writers. And that's one of the things too. I have my, um, the students who I worked with at Andrews and I get them involved. And so I can get them involved through this because that's one of the things that I actually was missing when I, when I left. So let me give you my card. But this is this has been good. But any questions you have? So you know what I'd like for you to do? Email it to me. Oh, you don't have email. That's right. We're dinosaurs. Okay. All right. Write it down. Write it down, and I oh, okay. will hopefully try not to lose the paper. <laughs> Anyone can submit stories. Anyone it doesn't have to come from the church communication or the conference communication, anyone. Just send them to Harold or to my direct email address. Yeah, but that's a good question because that's the other thing too. People would think that it has to come through the ranks. I know there's this, this is just a good question, but is there any, if you get an excellent story, do they get paid for it? Or is it Certain one, certain columns you do get paid. Um, and I'm not sure why they've selected these are the ones. So, um, like I mentioned, the youth page, One Voice, um, not telling God's story, but I think sharing your hope is one that you do get paid. It's like $100. And that's the other thing, too, which is why I think I don't even mention it because it's such a pittance. It's almost embarrassing <laughs> to tell folks in terms of, but there is some new remunerations. And then if you write a feature article, you get a whopping $150. <laughs> so... <laughs> not anything where I think you can you know make a career off of it but but still I mean having your name in print yeah and being able to tell a story so it's still it's still it's still worth it but yeah but anyone can submit
Yeah. Are you connected with like the Guide Magazine also? We're not. Guide Magazine, I think, is Pacific Press, and they're out there in Idaho. Oh. But um, but I know the editor. Do you? Is it something you're interested in trying to write for? Uh, I have a story, story idea. They're always open to ideas as well. They're always open, and I think their their contact is there. The editor, um, Kathy, Kathy, and I'm drawing a blank on her last name, but. In the magazine, or if you go on their website, all of these publications are always looking for contributors, even Michigan Memo. So, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, it was a pleasure having you, so thank you so much for joining me. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.